you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. I certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, we continue on with a series of messages that I preached at churches in and around the area of Bemidji, Minnesota, uh, with the subject of PTSD. Continue to pray for me. I'm healing up from a couple surgeries over the last two weeks. And Kevin, whose campers broke down, whose coaches broke down out there, and uh, he's in Indiana right now. So hold us up in prayer. We'll continue to hold you up in prayer. And here we go. What an honor it is to be back here with you folks this week. Uh, I want to point out my wife, Debbie, today represents Debbie and my 40th anniversary being married. So uh, it's always a special day. <clears throat> I was waking up this morning. I don't know, maybe like many of you, I'm just thinking the years fly by so quickly, don't they? It, it seems like just yesterday, Debbie and I were getting married and, <clears throat> excuse me, and, uh, and man, those years just go by. You know, my mom used to say the days were long, but the years were short. And she sure had that right, didn't she? Uh, but it's just an honor to be here in Bemidji, be with all of you. Thanks for the hospitality. Enjoyed Sunday school class. I left Sunday school class. I got caught in the hallway, but I enjoyed that first 30 minutes and really enjoyed it last week. And again, we're honored. I want to point out my friend, uh, Jeff Meyer. So Jeff and Shara with me this morning. Jeff, if you could stand up. I only want to do this. Uh, to let you guys know that Jeff is the local PTSD, Wounded Spirits Counselor representative. So if you know somebody who has PTSD or can have help, Jeff's a therapist here in town as well. Uh, but he does volunteer and he works with people. He runs the Wounded Spirits group. Uh, right, right now they're running over the radio station on Tuesday nights. What time does that start up, Jeff? 7 p.m. Jeff is quite a guy. He actually had shoulder surgery uh, on Friday, and uh, he was already on Friday. He was ready to go out to eat and do all those things. We had to calm him down a little bit, but yesterday he was at the town's men's meeting, the full gospel men's meeting, and all that. So it's an honor to have Jeff. So again, if you know anybody that could use Jeff's help, he runs a Wounded Spirits group or a group of people that work with PTSD, and I know he'd be honored if you grabbed a hold of him and talk. don't grab him by the shoulder that's got the harness on it. Grab by the other shoulder. So it, it seems like just the other day I was, uh, uh, I, so just to give you a quick background on me a little bit, years ago when I was starting first grade, we started kindergarten in a little town called uh, Plainfield, Connecticut. And then our family, our father deserted us. It's not all a sad stuff. I'm not giving you a victim story today. God hooked us up wonderfully in life as we went through, but they moved me to another town. And when they moved me to another town, they didn't have kindergarten. So I cried, so the nuns at the Catholic school decided they'd just put me in first grade and hold me back. And by the grace of a wonderful God, they never held me back. So I, I was the youngest person going all the way through school, graduated quickly. Well, uh, move ahead, I'm 16 years old, I'm done with everything. I'm working at an egg farm, kind of, sort of, and I'm hitchhiking back and forth, helping out at football practice at our high school. Now, hitchhiking is no longer a mode of acceptable transportation. Um, back in the 70s, people did a lot of hitchhiking. It was a, it's just what we did. We didn't have a lot of money. We, 
class. We really, we didn't complain about much, but one day I was hitchhiking home, I helped out at the high school with football practice, and I saw this guy turn around in the middle of the road, and I said to myself, this is either a pervert or an army recruiter, and it turned out to be both, praise God, but anyway, he, he whipped around, and he rolled down the window, and he said, are you going to hitchhike for the rest of your life? Now, if you can picture me, I had hair down to here, John Lennon glasses, and, uh, um, and, and, and this guy actually cared. He said, listen, and it was, it was like it was here a couple days ago. It was that freezing kind of rain that it's not really sleep, but the rain sure is cold, you know. And, man, I had a seven-mile walk home, and he looked at me, and he said, if I give you a ride home, will you join the Army? And I said, you know what, I will. If you give me a ride home, uh, I'm going to be 17. You know, I'm going to be 17 the next day. And I said, if my mom, if you can get my mom to sign for me, I'll join the Army. Or I had just turned 17. I think I was 17 years old and one day old or something like that in 1978. And he said, and I hopped in his car and it was warm and it felt good. I had a jean jacket on and a hoodie, which was the clothes we used to wear up in Connecticut in the wintertime. You just added the jean jacket over the hoodie. And uh, anyway, he takes off driving, then he locks up the brakes. I'll never forget it. He just locked up those brakes. The car went, ooh, and I moved forward. And uh, he said, I, I just want to check one other thing. He says, I want you to know I killed people in Vietnam. I said, well, thank you for that. Thank you for your service to our car. I mean, what do you say? It's cold out. And, and he says, son, he says, if I give you a ride home and talk your mother into joining, are you going to go in the Army? And I said, yes, sir, I'll go in the Army. And I remember that ride home, and I'm thinking to myself, there's no way that my mother's going to sign anything. Uh, she's just not going to do it, you know. And uh, we drove home. We got to the house. <clears throat> and I remember he put on his Class A jacket, because at that point he only had his Class Bs on his tie. And he slapped a little brute Fabergé on his face. So for those of you who are old enough to remember, high karate was the king of colognes at that time. But if you couldn't afford that, remember high karate, the girls would chase after you? Remember the TV commercial? It didn't work. I'd pour that stuff over my, no one chased after me. But, but anyway, I, I remember he was slapping that brute Fabergé on his face. And we went inside the door, and my mother's coming around, and I just banged on the door. And I said, Ma, we have company. I wanted to give her a warning. You know how moms can be. Some of you are moms. You know where I'm coming from. Well, anyway, she came around the corner, and she had her big coffee mug. She always had a, the biggest coffee. I mean, she was the first. She was a trendsetter. My mom was the first huge coffee mug person I ever met. And she came barreling around the corner. I'll never forget that recruiter. He stood right in front of her. He said, hold it right there. And, and she stopped, and he said, I can see where your son gets all his good looks from. She signed everything, man. She found <laughs> She found the birth certificate. She found everything you've ever seen. I mean, she was signing everything. And, and before I knew it, I'm in the car, and I'm saying, I can't believe this. I just wanted to ride home, and now i got to join the Army. And we got up there, and we took the test, and it's called the ASVAB test, the Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery Exam. How many people have taken that exam before? So a few have taken that exam before, right? And so you have to do well, because if you don't, you have to go in the Marine Corps. So I tried my best at that. And uh, so anyway, we got signed up. And, and uh, sure enough, that next day, immediately, you go through this physical exam. I actually was uh, what they call it, a Cat 1B. Or, so I was in the top category of people who took the test. And that next morning, I remember taking a physical. And it was so strange. You know, everybody's walking around with almost no clothes on. You know, I'm just a country boy from the middle of Connecticut somewhere in the woods. <laughs> And uh, I remember one of the first things you do is you got to take a drug and alcohol test. And if you fail that drug and alcohol test, you have to join the Navy. So you have to do good on that as well. 
then the next thing you got to do is you got to lift 100 pounds over your head. And, and if you can't do that, you have to join the Air Force. And, uh, but, but anyway, I remember I went, I went through the whole physical, and, and I, I don't have anything for the Coast Guard yet. I'm still working on that, uh, or the Space Force. But I, I remember as I went through that, and, and, and you know, people who are in the military, we always pick on each other's branches of service. But down deep inside, we love each other. But all of a sudden, I'm in the Army. And they, they said, in five days, they literally, back then, they called on the phone and said, hey, do you have a basic training position? We got somebody who'll go right now. And they're making a deal on the phone about my life, you know, and it, it was real quick. And, and they said, we need you back here in five days. And man, the army went by. And sure enough, in basic training, I mean, the first thing they do is shave everybody's head, give everybody the same. I'm still wearing kind of the same glasses today, praise God. And, uh, and Kelly, he wears glasses just like I don't know if he was ever in the army before. He just, he just picked up on that whole army vibe, right? We all wore glasses like this. And I can't get rid of them, but, but anyway, he got in the uniform, and the years went by. I met Debbie, and uh, a few years later, and we got married, and we went around the world, and, and then all of a sudden, the end of the career came. 26 years later, I'm a sergeant major. I'm in the Army, and I'm in Europe, and uh, I remember we're there in Heidelberg, Germany, and one of the things they said, we, we want you to take, they gave me a three-by-five card, and they said, fill out everything that went wrong with you while you were in the Army on this three-by-five card, and, and we're going to go ahead and get you. Now, folks, if you get close to me, you can tell I've been in a helicopter accident. My face has been smashed. I've had a broken neck, a collapsed lung. I've been in more physical therapy than you can shake a stick at. I've, uh, I've had 18 teeth broken in half, I mean, and uh, I, I've got uh, uh, some kind of facial neuropathy and some trigeminal geminal. Uh, I don't even know what half those words are. Debbie keeps up with it. And they want me to put my entire medical history, uh, 275 pages of records on a 3 by 5 card so we could talk about uh, what we tell the VA and stuff. So, of course, I kept on going getting 3 by 5 cards. About a half an hour into this, they gave me a big, uh, big yellow pad, you know. And we filled that yellow pad up, and the first thing they do is they said, you need a hearing exam right away. Now, I don't know if you men have ever experienced this, but my wife tells me I have selective hearing. Has anyone ever heard that before? And she would try it. You know, she would say, like, honey, empty the garbage. And because of the syllable breakdown and stuff, I wouldn't pick up on it really well. And then she'd say something like, honey, let's play kissy face. And I always picked up on that. So she thought I was messing with her. But she said I had selective hearing. So I went to get my hearing test, and, and I remember they put these big Bose earphones on you kind of thing, and they give you a button, and they had another, the young guy just got back from Afghanistan, this private, him and I are sitting there, and we're inside, we're cut off by a curtain. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. Hey, folks, we're right back with you. Here we go. And they're going, meh, meh. And they said, when you hear the noise, press the button. Two problems. One is the phone has been ringing in my left ear since 1999, and no one's there when I answer it. So, so I don't know if I'm going to hear buzzing in there. And then I got this here, and I'm watching that private through the curtain just wasted the Army's money pushing that button. And I was going to say, man, I'm going to scuff that guy up when I see him, you know, just wasting the Army's money like that. 
But anyway, the doctor came out immediately, grabbed me, and he said, Sergeant Major, you've got at least 35% hearing loss in both ears. I remember thinking about that and saying, whoa. And uh, I said, that's pretty bad. And, and I said, but there is some good news here, doctor. He says, what's that? I said, my wife tells me that I have selective hearing. And I said, now I have something on paper that says it's not selective. He thought I was crazy. But anyway, he filled out this form and uh, so I could get VA hearing aids. And as you can see, I got a vanity problem with that kind of thing. But anyway, uh, I left there and I said to him, I said, doctor, I said, I believe my wife has selective hearing as well. Is there any way I can check her without bringing her in for a test? She's a veteran, all that. I think she might be messed up. And, and the doctor said, when you get home, get 20 feet behind her and speak in a normal voice. I want you to know I never speak in a normal voice. I, I really had to work at it. So I got home and I got, she was out in the kitchen doing something to sink. And we're in the, this four-story townhouse there in Heidelberg, Germany, the army gave us. And she was out there, and there was only about 20 feet in that whole house. But I got as far back as I could. My kids were making believe they were doing schoolwork. They made believe all the way through master's degrees. I'm still messed up today, you know. But anyway, I still don't believe they actually went through school. When they graduated from college, I did a double time. Our son graduated first in his class at Clemson University. And I'm like, wait a minute. He, he never, he was always headphones on, watching TV and doing work at the same time. It's impossible. But anyway, they were in the middle. I saw Debbie at the sink. I got my 20 feet away, and I go, hi, honey, I'm home. What's for supper? And I knew it. She didn't say a word. I knew her hearing was messed up, too. I'm like, it's just not me, praise God. We're in this. You get messed up when you've been married a long time. But anyway, so I, I decided to see how bad it was. So I walked halfway to my wife, and I said, hi, honey, I'm home. What's for supper? She didn't hear anything. I'm like, she's going to be stealing my hearing aids. This is really bad. And my kids are looking at me going, what's going on and stuff? So I went out in the kitchen. I put my arms around her, and I said, hi, honey, I'm home. What's for supper? And she said, for the third time, hamburger. So I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Open your Bibles with me, if you will, this morning to the book of John chapter 14. Man, there's a lot going on in the Bible this morning. You get to John chapter 14, and uh, we talk about the Romans road as a way of expressing uh, how people get saved. I believe John chapter 14 is the highway to heaven, how we should live, how we should trust God, how we should respect what God's word says to us, how we should dig into these things. And we start here in verse number one, and it says, let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. Heavenly Father, we do believe in you this morning. Thank you for these folks at Northern. Oh God, we come to you this morning. We beg you, if there's one amongst us who has never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, please, Lord, save them. And we'll be real quick to give you the honor and glory. You alone can save. You alone can change. You alone can touch hearts this morning. We come to you, Lord, and I pray that if there are any words on my tongue or in my vocabulary that would not bring you your due honor and glory, that you would strike them from me. Oh, God, we thank you for what's happening in Sunday school. We thank you for the worship service. We, we thank you that there's a group of people here ready to honor you. And, oh, God, we pray that you would just do a work in our hearts, that your Bible would just cut us and, and, and just reach as deep as it's got to reach and that we'd be different because we visited with you this morning. God, we need you, we love you, and we want you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. That first verse, there's so much you can think about in life. And, you know, I came up with an idea on some of these verses and how we can put them together. And in that first verse there, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It gives us a person to believe in. I don't know about you, in the world today, we need someone to believe in. The Bible says, you know, uh, it, it, it just goes on and says, don't be troubled. 
Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your world be upside down. And uh, because I've got you, it's hard on this side. And, and it's hard to live this way. It's hard to go through this way. But God says, listen, don't be troubled. Don't be hung up on it. And uh, you believe in God, believe also in me. I give you someone to believe in. I was looking last night and thinking as I was going through this and what people believe in in this world. And uh, there's almost a billion people, uh, I'm sorry, there's one point, almost two billion people today that believe in uh, a Muslim faith. They believe that somehow their faith is going to manifest into something that'll get them in some type of eternity. And if they do real well, most of them don't believe that women even have souls or kids. They, they believe you reach a certain level to do that. Yet we're moving in on 2 billion people believing that. We believe in a God, folks. Think about this. Our God, uh, he, he fulfilled 332 prophecies, 29 in one day. That's my God. That's your God. That's the God we serve. I was thinking today about these Buddhists. I remember being stationed in Korea, and one of the things that blew me away is, is people would go out of their way to get, get a, a burial spot that's on a side of a hill. And I always wondered, why are they worried about getting a burial spot on the side of a hill? And what would happen? They would bury them in a coffin, and the coffin was a seat. It was like a recliner. You could take your favorite recliner and put it in a casket with your remote to watch God's favorite football team, the New York Giants. Well, not this year anyway. But anyway, you could get in that recliner. And you know why they did that? You know why they were set, uh, buried sitting up? In case Buddha went by, they'd see him and they'd be able to go with him. We serve a God who, he died for us. We serve a God who's sitting at the right hand of the Father. We serve a God that says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Folks, we serve a God that we don't have to be set up in a recliner chair. We serve a God that we're not looking for somebody to go by. He's been here. He's lived. He's been 100% man. He's been 100% God. We serve someone that we can believe in. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be troubled, brethren. We serve a God that fulfilled 332 prophecies. We serve the God who has our back this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm glad we have a person to believe in, and that person is Jesus Christ. Look at the second verse with me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go <clears throat> to prepare a place for you. The, Bible's, the Bible gives us a place to rest in. Boy, it's all about getting home. I, I, I was thinking the other day, and you know, that first time I went home after basic training, and I now, remember when I left, I had that whole John Lennon thing going on, you know, hair down to here, uh, glasses. I was the skinniest dude you ever saw in your life. I would, I'd fatten up for football season and get real skinny for baseball season. And, and I remember coming home, and I, all of a sudden I'm in a, a green uniform. I'm wearing this cap, and, and I'm coming home, and I, and I have one ribbon, and I have my marksmanship badge and all that. And I, I had finished my basic training. I had finished my AIT, which was Advanced Individual Training. And I remember when I got home, my brother picked me up, and I, I told my brother, I said, whatever you do, get mom to make spaghetti and meatballs. My mother made the best spaghetti and meatballs you ever made in your life. Now, she was not a meatball person that you make the meatballs and put them in a pan and put them in an oven. Now, that's halfway. Praise God, she would dip them in the sauce and boil them. You could smell those meatballs a country block away, man. We got, I could smell them on the school bus as I was coming home. And I, I remember I told my brother, I said, whatever you do, talk mom. Don't tell her I'm coming home, but talk mom into making spaghetti and meatballs. And 
He picked me up at the airport, and he said, no one's going to recognize you. You need to go and knock on the front door. And I remember as I walked down our sidewalk to our house out there in the country, and boy, you could smell that spaghetti meatballs. I'm like, man, I'm home, praise God. And uh, I remember I knocked on the door, and my stepfather came, and he opened up the door, and he said, may I help you, sir? And I said, Ray, it's me. He said, whoa, that's crazy what the Army did for you. And uh, I remember he said, I remember saying, honey, we got company. And I remember my mother coming barreling around that corner, and mom knew who I was. And oh, what a, what a joy it was to be all together and the smell of that stuff. But you know, you know what's going to be a better reunion than that? When we go to heaven and we meet our Savior and we see our loved ones who've accepted Christ and went on before us. Folks, we're going to wrap this thing up with you tomorrow or on Monday. We certainly are blessed that you tuned us in today and know we're praying for you and lift one up for us. We'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.